Hello and welcome to the Artist Contemporary Podcast, the podcast that champions contemporary artists, curators and galleries. Listen each week to hear me, Anna Woodward, speak to a different person about their experiences, their practice and what they're currently up to within the contemporary arts. Hello and welcome to the Arts Contemporary Podcast. Today I'm joined by George Wilson, who is an artist and is also the founder of All Mouth Gallery. So George, please could you introduce your practice? Yeah, um, so my work, um, I so I'm predominantly a painter and I paint this world which is um, directly informed and inspired by the English countryside. Um, And it's kind of like this parallel world where these goblin creatures who are kind of halfway between animal and human kind of roam the land and like compete for food with crows and foxes. Um, So yeah, all of my paintings are kind of inspired and and informed by like my time outside in England. Um, Yeah, and obviously they're also really heavily inspired by like European myth and folklore um, and the depiction of women in that. So I'm trying to kind of subvert that by creating these like feminine creatures who kind of don't um, don't fit into like one specific role. Um, Yeah. Yeah, like um, box as it were, like women traditionally are in these myths. Yeah, that's really interesting because I quite often think of your goblins as being genderless. I've never been like, that's a boy goblin, that's a girl goblin. But how, is that something that's always been like a kind of core theme within your work to kind of re-represent um, the women through this language of the goblins from the myths? Yeah, like, I don't think it was particularly like a conscious thing when I first started making this body of work as I was making it that kind of came through to me that that was something that mattered to me and something Mm. I kind of picked up as a driving idea um yeah I'm always really like really surprised and like quite amused when I get other people's feedback on them because people do sometimes gender them in their heads and then I'm like oh I didn't think that at all so it's like yeah yeah um they are predominantly genderless because I like to think of them more and like more as animals than a specific gender yeah and I think I definitely think of them as being beings but when you're saying that kind of hybrid between the goblins and humans and I think sometimes in their mannerisms and like bodies they can be quite human-like but then you kind of see what they're up to and then like the humor and the mischievous nature of them kind of pushes them back into that kind of folklore myth fairy tale world. Yeah like the I think yeah the body language is predominantly like the main device I like to use to try and assert like their animal presence rather than Mm. kind of human gender. Um, Yeah I like I try and do that through poses and like facial expressions. Um, Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of a lot, quite recently on the podcast, we've been talking to a lot of people about finding this um, balance between reality and fantasy. And I think a lot of artists at the moment, like fantasy is something that people are really into and really exploring. And I think it is influenced by the year we've just had. Um, But by the artists kind of creating certain anchors that kind of pull these um kind of fantasies into like our own reality allow the viewer to then like not safely but kind of fall into the fantasy and to experience it but not get lost and have kind of anchors to understand it 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's also like what you're saying about that balance is also like how I myself like find a way to make the work. So I have mm. like pointers because I think especially when you're making like a body of work that in my head like doesn't have a specific end or like a structure to it because I've been making these goblin works for almost a year now. It's quite nice for me as well to have like these kind of seasonal pointers of like what the outdoor setting that these goblins like Roman is going to look like and mm. like how they behave and like how their bodies behave um so yeah it's like quite helpful for me as well as the viewer <laughs> yeah because I'm thinking not in the stalkerish way so I obviously know you through originally um Jack your partner um from City and Guilds and obviously I know in the first lockdown you guys both went to Cornwall and do you think and that's when you kind of started doing the goblin work I would say because I'd say before then you were much more kind of figurative mm. paintings and observational um do you think the kind of dramatic Cornish landscapes really kind of inspired and pushed you into looking into this kind of theme of work that you're now creating yeah, I think it definitely did. Um, I think it's always kind of been in the back of my head as um, like a landscape I'd like to address and kind of um, put my mind to more because it's like so beautiful. And I've spent basically like my whole life um, going there. Mm -mm. So yeah, it's like, it's a really important place to me and to my work. Um, and it was, yeah, like such a privilege to be able to be completely immersed in it like while spring was arriving um and yeah that had like such a kind of heavy impact on my work um particularly in like all of the wildflowers like around the coast um and yeah like the rock formations as well like I'm really inspired by um Mervyn Peake's uh illustrations for like some of the books he wrote in like the I think like mid to late 20th century yeah. lived on the Isle of Sark in like the Channel Islands where they have like incredible rock formations which are quite similar to the ones in southwest Cornwall so like I think it was yeah like both of those together like creating these kind of dramatic landscapes in my head. Yeah have you ever been to the Scilly Isles? I did when I was like really small and I think we've been trying to go back there like for years Same. Same. managed it because the tourist boat and the plane is like always super booked up so we kind of just ignore it. <laughs> Let's go this summer. Yeah, that'd be so great. I mean, like, I spend, I'm similar to you, spend so much time in Cornwall. And I think, I mean, I really want to go to the, um, to Tresco, where the gardens are. Yeah. They're meant to be incredible. It sounds gorgeous. I would love to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is a trip. Let's go find goblins. In... Staycation. <laughs> <laughs> it will be like, it's a residency. Yeah. <laughs> Airbnb residency. <laughs> Yeah, literally, the, uh, it just, I love Cornwall. I remember seeing your stories and stuff because I decided to stay in London and I was just always so jealous. I was just like, it looks so amazing and so kind of, I think Cornwall is, we kind of both grew up in London area and then as children would go to Cornwall. Um, like I always just think of Cornwall, like it's my like escapism and it's a place where I can just turn off completely. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, yeah, it's so lovely there. And we've been like around the north of Cornwall as well as the far southwest. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's so, it's so like diverse. The landscape changes so much when you like move across it. Um, but yeah, like it's such a lovely place. 
yeah it's so great and it makes me so excited that so many artists at the moment are moving down there I know I'm so jealous like quite like one or two of my tutors at the Royal College of Art have like just moved there since and they were like oh yeah you know because of all the online teaching we're, we're just able to do this and then I was just you know sat in London like it was raining it's like I'm so jealous <laughs> I know I can't wait to go down this summer yeah it's I'm just gonna be there the whole time I can't wait um so going back to your work what's your kind of process in forming your composition are you someone who makes a lot of sketches and kind of really works through your ideas or do you just kind of go straight on to the canvas and let the goblins take over yeah so it's kind of like a mix of both so I like heavily work in my sketchbook like I'm always making drawings like on the train or like after I've come back from a walk or something these kind of ideas just occur to me like as I'm kind of walking around or just whatever's going on in my head um and then yeah if I want to make a painting um I like to yeah just kind of flick through that sketchbook um and then there'll be like composition ideas but then I like to give myself like um that looseness when I'm working so it's not it's never going to be like too rigidly based on a sketch um I kind of yeah like I, I like to like work it up on the canvas um and change it up a bit as I work um so yeah it's like kind of a mix of both um it's quite like intuitive once I'm painting and obviously I found like the process of working with oil and then working with like a pen or a pencil in a sketchbook like so different that I'd get really stressed out if I was trying to like rigidly work from a drawing because you just never be able to capture yeah. that immediacy like in a painting I think in like different ways yeah I think yeah because I think I'm kind of the same like my sketches that I make my works on paper are very kind of like tightly neatly drawn kind of abstraction of the collages that I create my old paintings from and then my paintings are just I'd say like quite loose and very color paced and mark making and complete look completely different from my sketches and also yeah like I think for both of us like the layering process that's like so different to how you'd make a drawing so yeah. it really yeah it really is like a completely kind of detached but still like informed process yeah and I think with your paintings you kind of have these very I think which makes them the kind of subject and composition is so rich and then when you get closer and see them in person your mark making is a whole another like amazing dimension of the work which in itself could be completely independent and be its own piece like your practice could just be about mark making from the way you kind of swirl the brush marks and oh thank you <laughs> yeah um I feel like it's quite quite a recent development for me because um I hadn't really had the opportunity to like work on a larger scale or experiment that much with um working on like the difference between panel and canvas and stuff until like the last six months um and I feel like I shied away from the kind of texture and marks that oil makes with a brush um for a long time I was just like desperately trying to smooth it all out um so I feel like it's it's been really nice recently to realize that I don't need to like hide away from the marks and like actually make them like really kind of purposeful um and I feel like that's really helped with my practice as well for like just generally like confidence and also yeah like kind of realizing that the paint makes the actually makes the image that's quite an obvious thing to say but like the marks it's the marks themselves like can create form yeah definitely and I think <laughs> I think of some of your pieces in back to back which we'll speak about in a minute that where you've kind of really pushed the texture of your mark making in the more kind of foliage and area and it does really kind of bring 
the countryside and nature into the works rather than it just being a kind of like portrait of a goblin even though they're not but you know what I mean like a figure study of the goblin it actually it kind of ties it brings you as the viewer into the goblin's landscape and environment yeah I always try and like keep some of the vegetables I'm trying to paint like in my studio um but then it's a bit grim actually sometimes they go a bit off <laughs> but, um, yeah yeah like uh, the those textures are like really helpful now for like directly informing like how the paint's going to behave when I'm applying it to the canvas so yeah it's really nice to like keep vegetable models around mm. and do you um do you find that your color palette is influenced a lot by the seasons and obviously you do spend a lot of time outside do you think that then kind of comes into your paintings of what's kind of happening and what time of year it is yeah definitely like if I'm kind of stuck with like how the like how the color is going to work or like what I'm going to go ahead with um on a canvas I do just kind of stare out of the window for like a very long time or like go for a walk um and yeah like it's all like very directly informed by like by, by yeah the the changing seasons in England um really struggled yeah. this winter with like trying to trying to get winter right because it's so there is like a lot of color like more color than you initially think you know you think grey dark things when you think of winter but it's actually really hard because yeah the subtlety of the sky and stuff I don't feel like I've I don't feel like I've achieved it and now winter's going I'm getting a bit stressed out I haven't <laughs> I haven't adequately like found a way of capturing it um but yeah it's it, it's like quite an exciting way to work because the subject matter is always refreshing itself mm. And do you, in your vegetables, do you think you're kind of looking to like the goblins being very kind of environmental with their seasonal pickings? Well, I hope that they like remind people to notice nature because I think that's the first kind of stage to everyone learning to be a bit more like environmentally friendly themselves. <laughs> I don't think the goblins really care because I think they're just kind of living out in it and um, putting up with whatever nature throws at them. But I'd hope that yeah like the the kind of seasonal nature of my work and the like direct references to kind of flora and fauna found in England might might help people like notice yeah notice what what comes each month with the yeah I think they also they bring in the kind of um childhood nostalgia of playing in the countryside or playing outdoors but not being afraid to get muddy and things which I think you lose as you get older and have to work and do all of these things and I think when looking at them and when they're kind of taking vegetables from a vegetable patch and stuff it's just they're, they're fun paintings and they're cheerful and they do bring that kind of warmness to you. Yeah I'd hope so like humour is definitely a really important part of my work um, and yeah, um, I definitely want them to be like lighthearted, um, and mm. and I am like I think we've spoken about before like how children's books and illustrations um, influence like my figures quite a lot in their kind of dramatic expressions and the kind of yeah like humorous body language, and also yeah that like kind of um, the kind of closeness or like reach reachable quality of like fantasy in a children's book that I kind of want to breach mm. in my work by depicting like that balance between reality and fantasy. Yeah, I was also just thinking I love the scale of the arms that the arms are so 
long and big and it just makes it so much easier to grab <laughs> yeah. that pumpkin or that squash and hide it yeah they've the evolved to have like really grabby long arms that kind of they can crawl around with as well like second pair of legs <laughs> yeah. survival of the fittest it means they're better at <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how obviously your first year at RCA at the moment how do you think being at the RCA and kind of before you're obviously in that kind of art history Oxford environment and how do you think your practice has changed um through now kind of being in an immersive well inverted commas immersive virtually um art school environment I think yeah it's been like more helpful than I could have like ever imagined because the last time I was kind of making work every day and not having to worry about anything else like an essay or yeah something at university was um my foundation year and yeah, like I feel like I never quite got into it because the foundation always goes by like so fast for people I've spoken yeah. to. Um, so yeah, it's it's been like so helpful. Like even just being able to like, you know, Zoom with my um, other RCA peers and stuff, just being able to like, being exposed to like so many different people's practices is like the most helpful thing I've like ever experienced. Cause it just really like, opens up so many new like avenues of experimentation for yourself as well like by listening to how other people like approach a problem um so yeah even though we haven't been into the studios like I think I've definitely like the opportunity just to be able to make work like most days a week um has definitely just been like so positive on my work I feel um yeah yeah I feel like I'm so excited because I know a couple of people on in your year through like um just like people I know or through doing something else contemporary and I feel like it's going to be so exciting when you guys can all go into the studio (laughs) it will be so nice see each other's work but actually kind of have crits in person be able to respond and I just feel like you guys are all going to your work's just going to explode and it's going to be so exciting because like you're saying your work already has moved forward so much from the RCA and that's just only having it at like 25% capacity because you haven't had the kind of in-person peer interaction. Yeah like the studio culture is definitely the thing I'm looking forward to the most um, and yeah I think it's, it's going to be really lovely when we all get to meet and hopefully get to see a bit of the second years before they finish that year. I hope they get some time in the studios too. <laughs> yeah so will you go back after Easter so we're actually going to get we're going to get a week now because we've like divided us into two groups so I'm going back on March the 8th with the government guidelines opening up Um, oh yes it's school isn't it (laughs) just one sweet week and then vacation and then my like I think we'll probably be two weeks on two weeks off again when the new term resumes so yeah it's like finally happening unless everything goes like reversed and pear-shaped because of some new variant or whatever but let's hope not do you know have you planned what you're going to do I have no idea like a week is such a weird amount of time especially with an oil painter and someone who works like I think I might I might just like prime a few canvases like I work quite quickly building up layers and then they have to dry so I might bring four medium-sized canvases with me that are like ready primed and then just kind of alternate between layers also it's really cold in the RCA studio so I don't really trust anything to dry anytime soon so that might not even work (laughs) yeah that is the problem like I have to leave a day 
in between drying if I want to and I normally work on like four paintings at a time um just to try and try and be productive um but yeah I know it is tricky when you have a cold studio and you're like why and it's like when you're adding liquid or limited oil and you're like this should be dry and it's three days why, why is it yeah I've got all my paintings like basically stacked against the radiator like I'm sure that might cause them to yeah. the stretches might like warp but it's the only way they dry <laughs> yeah I mean I was saying like a stretch is replaceable but a canvas or linen isn't I think they're, so. they're okay for now I haven't noticed any like <laughs> yeah. dramatic changes <laughs> Yeah, so you're currently exhibited in Back to Back, which is the third instalment of those Paris Galleries um, duo exhibition series. Um, and in the exhibition, you have some of your kind of more three-dimensional installation goblins. Could you kind of talk a little bit about the kind of process and decision-making of taking the goblins out of the kind of traditional canvas shape? Yeah, um, so... The, it kind of was quite an organic process. Like I've been making the, I've been making the like kind of square goblin paintings for a few months, and then yeah, this kind this opportunity just kind of came to me at the Royal College of Art. Like the technicians were all um, kind of offering their services remotely, so we could kind of email them, get them to make something with a machine on campus before the proper lockdown started. Mm. Um, so yeah, so they're made with um a CNC like wood cutting machine. So um, I work with a technician to do some digital drawings, like transcribing sketchbook drawings of goblins, like into this program called Rhino. And then, um, and then they were like, they were kind of all the parts were like cut out and assembled into canvas stretchers that are like goblin shaped. And then luckily I didn't have to stretch the canvas over them because they're like a nightmare shape to like get the canvas to stretch around because um, they're so kind of wobbly. Um, so yeah, like I was so lucky. Um, another technician at the RCA, um, Mike, who like works in the canvas workshop, kind of stretched them for me and then I just picked them up. Like, <laughs> so lucky. That is um, yeah, so I kind of wanted to, yeah, like with the opportunity to do this cutout thing, I was like, oh, maybe I should, yeah, like release them from their box as it were. And then, yeah, like, mm. Um, I haven't really been able to realise the project so much because of lockdown at the moment, but I'm really hoping that I can kind of take them on a little tour around lots of different green spaces in London and like photograph them, maybe do some films. Because, yeah, I just wanted to like see them in a real context because it's quite jarring, but like quite funny as well. Um, seeing them like fully escaped out of like my studio. <laughs> yeah, they've like, they've really come alive and I think, you, we were talking about the other day on your live when you um, did a kind of um, performance piece of the goblins at night in your garden. You left food out and the foxes came out and we we're talking about how imagine they started running around your garden. Yeah, I'm going to make a few more of those films um, now that it's like a bit warmer and my camera won't like massively fog up at night because of the condensation. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I think a lot of my neighbours are feeding the foxes. So like... I'm not really going to get told off by my neighbours for that because I think they're very fat foxes. Like everyone's, everyone's feeding them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just make sure there's no like no one has any pet rabbits. Or <laughs> yeah, hopefully we don't have any of those. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you think you'd ever, with the goblin cutouts, ever play around with scale and kind of have some large scale ones, small scale, like make a goblin family of like 
mummy daddy goblin i think like goblins. i've been looking at like lots of videos by um like giant vegetable growers around the uk like re world record holders for like the biggest cauliflower and stuff because so they're like so funny but then they're also these mainly men who grow giant vegetables they're like so dedicated you know it really takes like it takes up your entire life like you have to yeah, like, in Wallace like you have to like you know guard them. <laughs> you have to like be really careful about pests and all this stuff. Um, and yeah, I think it would be quite fun to play with scale to make some like quite small ones and then put them alongside some like normal sized vegetables, and the vegetables would look giant because I can't get hold of any giant vegetables. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, like the the scale of the cutouts in back to back was like. It was actually quite alarming when they when I went to go and pick them up at the RCA because I didn't really like understand the program I was using and I hadn't quite realised like how big they were going to come out. They're kind of larger than life. <laughs> but um, yeah, it would be fun to make some really small ones and like put them in a vegetable patch and like photograph them, I think. And like, yeah, definitely play around with scale because I can't really like, I think they're all different scales in my head, like when they out in the English countryside. Mm. Yeah, because I think in one of your paintings in Back to Back, I'm really bad at remembering the names of it, but it's the kind of, I almost kind of think it's like goblins in like tunnels underground in the way they're lying and it's kind of like that underworld like series of, I can't think of the word, what's it when it's like, a, not like a rat. Oh yeah, burrow, like yeah. Burrow. Um, living in the goblin world and in there the goblins are different sizes mm. and scales. I think, or have I made? Yeah, I think in my head know. they kind of. It happens quite naturally. Yeah, I haven't like I haven't thought through like too intensely what size they might be. So, yeah, maybe they're all different sizes, different different, different generations. <laughs> yeah, I just love this idea of like taking them into London and like green spaces and just yeah I definitely around. need to yeah need to like put out some feelers for people with like amazing gardens or allotments and stuff yeah well we've said before you should speak to Jasper because obviously he is he yeah. is the person to know if you want man. green space <laughs> he is so do you have any kind of plans at the moment with for future work that you want to make within this yeah series. so I'm kind of I've kind of just started um uh a kind of it's I wouldn't really call it a series because they're all kind of experiments at the moment but um uh like these far more like impasto paintings where the goblins have kind of become the vegetable <laughs> so it's all kind of merging together um so I made like I've made this um, quite heavily textured painting inspired by like the texture of cauliflower and it's like this goblin type figure um, yes I've seen it yeah. and then I'm making some thing. mushroom ones at the moment as well because I found this amazing book which um, my mum got in like I think she went in, like a car boot a few years ago but it's like really nice like English botanical drawings of um, like all different mushroom species and stuff that you can find and um, yeah, they're like all the amazing different textures and they really look like so fleshy. So I've made like some figures up like out of these mushrooms and like trying to like really build up like some really fleshy thick oil paint. Yeah, and are you finding, because I think with, from the cauliflower goblin that I've seen, your colour palette mm. has shifted when making that. And do you think with the mushroom paintings, it's kind of changing your colour palette away from the more kind of... Um, 
like yellowy green. Yeah, it's definitely like carpets. providing other avenues. Like, I'm not sure if I'll go as dramatic as like carrots or broccoli or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's been like quite an interesting avenue to take me down like into a different type of palette um, because yeah I've been using that yeah yellow um palette for like quite some time so it's nice to like feel something fresh happening out of like the inspiration leading it mm. it's also sometimes quite hard to shift your palette and to kind of find a way to shift it without having that kind of inspirational reference yeah you. I've been looking at a lot of like Archimboldo paintings as well you know the he's like the renaissance artist who was in he was in like Vienna in I think like the 17th century and he you know he made all those um portraits of like dignitaries and rulers like made out of vegetables like the really famous ones um mm. and yeah like his palette's kind of quite wacky and like changes dramatically whether he's doing like a face made out of seafood or like one made out of like winter vegetables so yeah I'm trying to like look at him to try and like shift it all a bit yeah it's also it's like um I can't remember the same you know when you're younger and you're like oh people are like oh if you eat so much of that you're gonna turn orange or like like the cat like the goblin eating yeah. so much cauliflower yeah or cow. like the vegetables are like fighting back and being like it's a revolution yeah I don't really know what's happening but I like it <laughs> Yeah, I literally, I want to enter this goblin world. It sounds so great. I feel like you must have so much fun just kind of thinking, when you're thinking up compositions and trying to tie in the humour and what would work, you must just, your imagination. Yeah, it's really fun, amazing. actually. Like, I'll just be, like, making something, making, like, cutting up some vegetables for dinner, and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> what could happen here? <laughs> it's so good. So you also... In, uh, I can't speak aside from your very busy um, art practice you're also the co-founder of an amazing gallery called All Mouth that you run with Jack Chauncey um so All yeah. Mouth will be a year old in Mark. 22 days <laughs> so exciting I mean <laughs> you know I, I love <laughs> celebrating very well <laughs> not very subtle <laughs> so for people who don't know what is all mouth and what's the kind of main ethos which is very important to the gallery yeah so the... it's predominantly an online platform because we have basically exclusively existed through three lockdowns now for a year um and so it's an online platform and we also do physical shows when we can um and yes yeah, so it's an online platform run by me and another artist jack chauncey and our predominant ethos is um to be a gallery for artists, um, well, obviously all galleries are for artists, but to try and like create, wow. <laughs> but to try and like um, be led more um, by like kind of artist projects and hopefully this year more like non-profit things um, as well as selling exhibitions. And our main ethos is driven by this thing called slow viewing, which is, um, mm the kind of extended contemplation of one artwork um, for a long time. And it was inspired by um, this program in the National Gallery during the Blitz in World War II, where obviously they needed to like protect the valuable like UK art collection. So they moved them all into, I think like 
mines in Wales or around the country. They put them all in like underground bunkers, like all of the paintings, like the Titians and stuff. And then they get like one painting out every month. And apparently it was like the kind of highest visitor numbers they'd had in like decades or centuries or whatever, because people just flocked really? to see this like one picture they put up every month. So yeah, we were like really inspired by that during the during the first lockdown when as artists, both of us wanted to like get our work noticed and, you know, getting the attention that it required. But on Instagram and like on all these online platforms, it was like this deluge of information. Like, um, so we just wanted to create like a kind of quiet, like undistracted space where an artwork can live online or in real life where like the attention is drawn just to one artwork rather than thinking of like a whole curatorial like ensemble. Yeah, I think there's also something when it comes to physical curation in less mm, yeah. is more and having that space. I think like it's definitely my curating style. Every artist appreciates that if like, there's loads of space around their work, like people are more likely to notice it and to really look at it I think that's definitely like the, the most straightforward way of like valuing an artist's work yeah and I definitely think that um like in the back-to-back -back series like we've had conversations and stuff and kind of I'm like it's an it's an online exhibition but I'm just like we can have all the works listed but we don't have yeah. to hang all the works because it's just kind of my style and like I'm very even in my paintings and not my paintings are very busy, but I'd say like my chosen like aesthetic for things is kind yeah. of clean and simple to then allow. And like, that's how like I've done the Ask Contemporary website just to try and then it means that the focus is on the artwork. It's not on like the gimmicks I'm adding in, the colors. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I, th I think most artists like really appreciate that mode of having their work displayed. You know, there's something to be said for like mm. the whole kind of Royal Academy summer show, like massive salon hang, but like, you know, you can never really appreciate a work in that kind of mental context where it's all like completely slammed all the way up the wall and like, yeah. It's, I find it so that's like a really well, extreme like, example. Actually, like, that's not very commonly used, but I yeah, been for it's too much. Years. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going to slate the Royal Academy Summer Show, but I just think like you have to pay like yeah. sixty pounds to enter your work, and then you have to pay like all this extra stuff, and then they take like, sixty percent or something. That. And then they take something really high, I think. Okay, no, I'm sure it's very high. <laughs> but, and then you could get there and your work could be like 10 foot high and no one's going to see it. And you pay, and what have you done? You've paid all this money to have your work on a list. Whereas actually like, I don't know, these are my opinions. <laughs> I always end up doing this, I end up slating things on this podcast and I feel like I should be more careful. But I just think like, ugh, I don't know, paid open calls and paid applications mm, really yeah. annoy me. Unless it's like, if it's like a non-for-profit and there are certain things I understand why they do it, but some things like, something like the Royal Academy when they're charging anyway, like 25 pound mm. entrance for yeah. everyone to go why I charge the artist so much and like okay, yeah <laughs> but it's it is yeah <laughs> and that's why yeah I really appreciate that yeah. the um the artist contemporary your platform um 
yeah, you, you never charge for the open calls and opportunities you provide. And that's something really important for all mouth as well. Um, we've done the odd open call and um, we've just opened one today as well, um, which is for tiny artworks. <laughs> It's teeny. I was. I have an A6 pad, and I was looking just before we got on the call. I was like, I swear that's the size, and I was like, it's like, not. It's we like want artworks like paper. the size of a playing card. So I had this idea that um, I'm going to make like a shoebox auction house. So it's going to be like maybe a bit bigger than a shoebox, and then we want to like we want to keep the light-hearted tone like throughout. So although obviously the artworks are going to be amazing, yeah. and you know really treasured by all of us and we're going to really enjoy looking at them we also want to keep it like quite light-hearted and fun so we're going to have like a tiny little auction house with like a life-size hand with a tiny gavel <laughs> and they're going to like we're going to put hopefully if this works this is like all in my head <laughs> we're going to have like a little easel or a little plinth and then each artwork will get like dropped into the space with a camera on it and then we're going to live stream the auction where like yeah that's going to be so much fun. We haven't Who's decided going to be yet. Doing this, so you're Jack. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, I've never done the um, the whole like auctioneer kind of thing. It's quite quite a scary prospect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched the um, tub Life on Venus with the auction collective, the middle one, and it just looks so stressful. They're like really professional, like, you know. Uh, like they obviously did a really good job because that's what they're providing that service um, but yeah I, yeah I could not do that I think I'll make Jack do it <laughs> yeah I feel like Jack will be quite good at it though he's very good at kind of yeah I think so <laughs> feel welcome and bringing his he'll bring his humor in definitely so how many artworks do you think you're um I think because they're so small we can accommodate quite a few um I think we'll just see how the open call goes like gauge the interest see what we get and then work from there yeah 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 that thing for the birthday party like I literally thought of it like a week before it launched because I was just going through the applications and I was like I can't <laughs> choose I expected like four people to enter <laughs> yeah I think open calls have been doing really well at the moment like people are quite keen for them to happen like I was putting feelers out on the your mouth Instagram account saying like trying to ask artists like what they wanted and what they would feel would be most helpful this year um that like the gallery could provide and literally everyone was just asking for open calls so I was like here you go <laughs> I think it's also like open calls are yeah. good especially when they're free and when the like the prize and the opportunity doesn't have to be the thing that's going to make someone's career but it's kind of my theory with like running an artist run kind of gallery platform whatever and I imagine it's similar to you guys being like however small mm, and yeah. small way I can help someone else I'm going to do it and it's very much like even when it comes to other kind of selling platforms obviously I've kind of got the Ask Contemporary Atelier and like the collecting art section now but I'm not going to be like I'm not going to not share other galleries mm, yeah. work because that's not what I'm about like I'm try to be and I hope people realize this that it's just kind of like if I can share someone else like if I can share an all mouth thing like I've worked a lot with Luke Silver and I try to kind of share your guys exhibition with him as much as possible because I'm like ultimately it's going to support Luke it's going to support you guys and this is what we yeah, want exactly we want to and I think each other. the 
important thing to remember, which I think most people I've encountered um, artist-wise um, understand is that the art world isn't really a competitive space. Like, you know, there, there is work and then yeah. there are potential buyers or potential people who are interested in your work. And yeah, um, like sharing, like sharing the kind of sharing everything around is only really going to benefit everyone, like including the person who's like, who's sharing someone else's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, I think that's what's so nice about the art world and maybe like people that we both kind of operate with and work with, that it is just this really nice and welcoming community and it's super supportive, which and just like, let's hope that, I think it's really grown during lockdown and COVID and I really hope that this kind of community aspects and support for other people's projects. Yeah, definitely. I think it's given everyone like some some time to like pause and realise what is really valuable and that's, yeah, and that's like sharing this community and making it better and sharing opportunities. Definitely. So I know you have a, is it an exhibition launch? Yeah, so it's with four with, artists. artists? Um, we, we have held off from finding a location until now because we had no idea when things were going to open up. Hopefully the map of things opening up in the future will remain the same so that we can open in May. Um, so we're hoping, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll probably be in sort of north or central London. And it's four artists with um, a spring theme, which is something that we like a kind of natural garden, kind of outdoorsy spring theme, which we identified in these four artists' work as like complementing each other really well. So it's going to be um, Plum Cloutman, James Owens, Jasper Appleby from City and Guilds, and Ollie Pierce. Um, did I say Ollie already? No. Okay, so that's cool. <laughs> no. um, yeah, and we're really excited because yeah, there's there has never been a show. Like all of these artists kind of, they kind of all know each other. I at least know two other people in the exhibition. So hopefully it'll be really nice for them to collaborate and um, yeah, like work with each other as well as like us working with them. And we're gonna hopefully like have loads of like flowers and nice plants around the exhibition space. Um, Jasper's gonna maybe make some more terracotta pots for us to like exhibit some bulbs in and stuff, which should be like a really, happy exhibition space like summertime. yeah yeah it's what everyone will need when we're finally free and I think also with all those artists their practices are also individual and unique yet it's really nice to kind of tie yeah I think it's the yeah gonna be like a really really like positive theme hopefully like get everyone out of the house yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I'm just really hoping by yeah. <laughs> then we should be all free. I know this thing I need to get organised and start like planning. What yeah, I it might to do it might actually be like quite summer, a shock when but... things open and things can actually happen because I feel like cosily kind of yeah. lazy and dormant all this time and um yeah doing the odd online or mouth thing. But yeah, it might might be quite a shock when everything opens up. <laughs> I know I've had this realization on the past few days being like okay so back to back finishes yeah. end of March and then I'm like okay April May and I'm like then I could do a yeah. show and I'm like uh. 
<laughs> literally my endless I have all these yeah. ideas like, I just need to find a pot of gold then I can get them going but um yeah I'll figure something out <laughs> I'll get my brain into gear um so to finish off are there any artists curators galleries in the contemporary art world that you think our listeners are um, well certainly the four out? artists I just mentioned so Jasper James Orley and Plum they're like my favorites at the moment yeah. Also, um, so my peer at the Royal College of Art, Abigail Hampsey, she's making some really cool work at the moment, um, like based around her bedroom because she hasn't had a studio. And I think, yeah, when when we both get into the studio together, she'll have, yeah, she'll be making like some amazing work when she finally gets studio opportunity. Um, yeah, like definitely like all of my peers at the Royal College of Art making some exciting work, and you can see all of their stuff on the RCA painting Instagram. So I definitely recommend that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, people, if they haven't already, check out Back to Back on Beau's Paris Gallery website. And you can also catch up on George's takeover on Beau's Paris Instagram and follow Allmau to know all the amazing exhibitions. And also on Allmau, go on the website and also on the Instagram highlight, there's lists of available Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Amazing artists. Thank you so much for listening to the Artist Contemporary Podcast. Remember to check out the Artist Contemporary Instagram and to subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all the episodes, artists and exhibitions that are posted on the platform.